This is Gateway City Sports. Cardinal fans to episode number 14 of the Turn Into Podcast. Back with me again, my co-host Tito. Let's the series didn't go how we how we uh, anticipated, did it? No, and I think overall, when you look at uh, how the homestand went, what two and four um, against you know, probably top contenders in the national league. Um, two and four doesn't sound great, but at the end of the day, get these series out of the way, you know, you've got another one coming up with the nationals after you take on the Phillies. Um, so get these series out of the way and then get ready to play uh, some baseball during the dog days of summer. Yeah. And, and just one thing I want to point out before we really just jump into it head on. Um, we've only won one series. Is it concerning? Yeah, I would say it's concerning if you look at how they lost those games um, because when they lose, they lose pretty big, um, except for a couple games here and there. You know, I think uh, game two didn't get really out of hand until, you know, obviously late innings. But when they lose, it's pretty bad. Um, and and majority of that has to, you know, there's a probably big majority has to do with the offense not playing up to par. Um, but you can hang your hat on the pitching not being great uh, um, as well, kind of like today, I would say. Absolutely. Um, okay, well, let's just, you know, I, I don't really want to discuss the, the series like we typically do in a whole. I think, I think you know, it was just – it was atrocious all around, I mean, outside of game two. Um, so you, you said you wanted to lead it off, so let's, let's go fire it. Yeah, I, I, let's lead off with uh, some baseball history tonight. Uh, Carlos Rodon of the Chicago White Sox tosses a no-hitter against uh, the Cleveland Indians. And I, I said it a couple of days ago, I think in our, in our bet chat with Stu, that the Indians are just not a good team. They're just really not. Um, their pitching is not very good. Their lineup is... Uh, arguably the weakest it's been in a very long time, obviously without Francisco Lindor in there. Uh, but Carlos Rodon had a, had a perfect game um, through 8.1 innings and he uh, ends up hitting R Roberto Perez um, in the back right foot on a down and in slider. And uh, you know, I was watching it with G and I told her exactly what was going to happen if they threw down and in, especially a slider. 
Um, and I'm not sure why they ended up doing this slider down and in when he was perfectly capable of throwing uh, high fastballs up and away or, or even putting a backdoor slider down. I don't think uh, they would have expected that, but he still gets the no hitter. Uh, it's just really cool. And I was going to ask you um, if there was a person on the Cardinals starting pitching rotation right now who could throw a no hitter, who would that be for you? Is that um, skill wise, or are we talking who do I, who do, who, do, who in my heart would I love to see it happen for? You can say both. So I think if I went with skill, um, I would love to see, and I think it could get done if he's, if he's focused. I think, I think Carlos Martinez could throw a no hitter. Now to go with who in my heart that I want to see throw a no hitter. It's got to be Adam Wainwright. You know, that's – I would love to see Wayno throw a no-hitter. Um, but, I mean, we are nearly 20 years removed from the last Cardinals no-hitter. Um, and it's been close so many times. I know. That, um, you know, it, it just kind of seems crazy that it hasn't happened again. But, I mean – yeah, I remember the first. Uh, sorry, I remember the last one. Um, I remember watching that game against the Padres. I was a young, I was a young buck, but uh, I remember it. Yeah, and and to put it in perspective, right, the White Sox have had two perfect games <laughs> in between. Uh, in between, well, well, we'll have had two perfect games in between that first or you no, know, the last no hitter the Cardinals pitcher through. And whenever the next one ever happens, if it ever happens, because um, as I was telling G, you know, perfect games obviously are, are a very rare breed of event that happens. It's much like the four home run game. Mm-hmm. I would arguably say that a perfect game is harder to do than a four home run game. Absolutely. Um, but these things just don't come very often. Um you know, there's only been, uh, you know, a couple handful of perfect games in the MLB. No hitters are more common occurrence, but are still very difficult to do. Um, so I think, you know, the big question is, is, you know, how upset would you be if you lost the perfect game the way Rodon did, but still got the no hitter? No, I, I, I'd be fine with it. I mean, you know, um, I mean, of course it'd be upsetting, but at the same time, I mean, you know, the no hitter still in lock. So, I mean, it'd be upsetting. Yeah. But I, I don't think it would, I don't think it'd be that big of a deal to me, you know, as long as I got the no hitter and it didn't mess up my flow. Yeah. And I, and I said the exact same thing. I said, look, you can be upset because you had an opportunity, but at the end of the day, um, the way he lost it, it, it's on, it was kind of on him. So it is what it is. Um, if I'd probably rather have it be my own fault than a, a hitter actually beating me. Um, but he still got the no hitter and, you know, he pitched great. I mean, he was very, very good. Um, and definitely looked every bit of the prospect that was coming up whenever the white, when he was a little bit younger with the white Sox. And I got to say this, uh, Lance Lynn and Carlos Rodon going nine innings um, and, and just being very efficient for the White Sox is is awesome for them. And it's awesome for me as well, because I have uh, both of them on my fantasy baseball team. So oh, well, it, it's just well, it's just peachy. 
let's just roll the red carpet out then. I mean, well, I mean, I strut, I strut. Fair enough. I mean, I you have to, you have to strut on these times and these kinds of things. I mean, come on, let's let's be real. Uh, oh, I do want to point out one thing that happened in the in the quest for the no hitter Jose Abreu the very first out of the ninth inning Jose Abreu made a very very good play to get um, a speedy runner out down the line and it was a bang bang close play Um, he had to slide into first base to get this guy out and uh, they actually took it to replay and he was clearly out but could you have imagined who who uh, has to replay it uh, I think the Indians no, that's that's Bush League. I'm sorry, that's it, Bush League. It is Bush League, in my opinion, too. And I think Carlos Rodon also thought it was Bush League that uh, Roberto Perez didn't get out of the way of the down-and-in slider. But as I said earlier, that is really on Rodon, not necessarily on Perez. Uh, but I agree that it is Bush League to try and review that. You know he's out. Don't rob him of something like that. Because, I mean, imagine, imagine – the situation if if MLB had the replay for Armando Galarraga or yeah Galarraga's uh, uh perfect game in Detroit where uh Jim Joyce just completely botched it you know that would have been a more appropriate use of it right you're mm-hmm. you're trying to preserve a perfect game on your own side but if you're the other team and trying to bust it up because of replay I I will have to agree with you on that I think it's pretty bush league yeah, and, and 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 I just checked the score. That is, it's total bullshit. I would, I, I mean, if it was like a one nothing game, absolutely. You know, yeah. you try to win, and but eight nothing, no, that's that's yeah. that's ridiculous. Miss me, miss me with it, right? Miss me yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to continue this good baseball conversation because um, I know you don't want to talk too much about. Uh, the series. And I don't think there's really much to say about the Washington national series from a, from a Cardinals perspective. Look, you got beat. That's about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You, yes, you had a monster game too, but it was as every bit of predictable as the Cardinals offense has been for the last two, three years where you have an offensive outburst followed by an absolute goose egg on the scoreboard. Um, and anybody who is anybody could see it coming, to be honest. I mean, how did you like let, that? I want to talk about that specific thing before we go into some nitty gritty things about this series, uh, especially game uh, one, because uh, you and I have a debate to have. But that that moment where you saw all those runs come up on game two leading into game three in in the back of your mind, were you thinking? there is no way we score another run the rest of this series. No. Um, but the thing is, is, is I, I guess I'm just going to jump into a head head on. Um, you know, it wasn't Mike Schultz lineup that did that. I mean, obviously there was, you know, they were either seeing the ball good or it was, it was pitching. I mean, you know, nearly the same lineup was sent out game one. You know, um, you face Steven Strasburg, top pitcher in the in the league, and that takes place. You don't expect it, but I, I vaguely, not vaguely, I do remember you calling it. You said you watch the Cardinals are just gonna throw the runs on tonight, and they did. And you know, I think a lot of people, I got a lot of backlash for it myself. You know, it was oh, you know. 
look at the Cardinals lineup now. Well, it's it's not that. It's stop, stop, just stop with that. It's not that at all, you know. Um, yeah, it was great to see the offense come alive, but it's just it, it's not it's not cutting it. I mean, it you know we've won one series, and that was a bottom feeder team. It's kind yeah. of it's kind of getting embarrassing, and you know, plain and simple. Just because he got a hit, there is no way that Paul DeYoung should have bumped all the way back up to the four hole after that. I don't care what happened in game two with the offense coming alive, but there's no way that he should have been up there. And, um, you know, great for Matt Carpenter. I'm glad, you know, he got it going as well with that home run off the foul pole. Without uh, me calling it. Without, Yeah, well, he knew, but <laughs> – but, you know, you look at you look at those things, and a lot of people say, "Oh, this lineup's ready to go." No, I mean, <laughs> just stop. Yeah. You know, I mean, what happened with Carpenter today? I barely watched. I, I didn't even watch the game. I listened to some of it, but I got a couple times. I mean, you know, Carlson got up to the plate and he walked. I did see that, but you know, <laughs> just because something happened in one game, you know, it's not being put together. And I'm going to tell you what I think should be done. I'll just say it all right now. I think, and and me and you've discussed this, that, uh, you know, Goldschmidt looks a little awkward in that two hole. And, you know, I think that Carlson needs to be shifted up to the second spot, bump Goldschmidt to three, Arenado four. Um, You know, that's how I think that the lineup should play. I don't think this, this business of, Goldie second, Arenado third, Paul DeYoung fourth, just because he got a hit in game two, his first hit in God knows how long. And then you put him, you know, yeah, Carpenter got a home run, cool. But then you put Carlson behind all of them. I mean, it's just, it's crazy talk to me. And like I said, I don't care what happened in game two. Yes, we scored runs. But it wasn't because of the lineup. It really wasn't because of the lineup. Yeah, and I and I'm gonna agree with you, especially in the game two notion. Like you know, those games happen, um, and you can toss it more up as a fluke than anything. Because I guarantee you, about ninety percent of us outside of my tweet thought the Cardinals were probably not going to. I wouldn't say not going to win, but it would not be, it would be a very low scoring game considering you had Flaherty and Strasburg on the mound and offense was going to be very limited on both sides, which it was for one team, but obviously not the Cardinals. And so I I agree with you, like, you know, whatever happened in game two seems more of an anomaly than every game that every other game that the Cardinals played so far, except for game one against the Reds. Absolutely. Um, I was thinking that we, I haven't noticed a single time other than, you know, on the occasion halfway through the game where the Cardinals have jumped on a starting pitcher. You know, it seems like they can't get anything going until they get to the bullpen. Now, I wasn't focused necessarily on, you know, um, I guess how early in the count they were swinging. Um, I did see somebody saying, hey, they were jumping on pitches early, you know, but why is this not moving game to game? Why is this staying, you know, why is this happening in one game and not the next? Why is it, you know, why are we doing this, you know, 
ever so often. Why? <laughs> I just keep coming back to the fact that the Cardinals have won one series against yeah. a bottom feeder. Yeah. And if you're going to want to run this division, if you want to run this entire National League, you can't do that. You know? No, and, I, and I'm wondering if, you know, you know, you know, uh, C70 puts out those, the card six game. And I'm pretty sure that I picked the nationals to win this series, not because I didn't, you know, obviously I hate the Cardinals. Right. But it's more so I think the Cardinals were getting caught at the wrong time. There was a little bit of a momentum slip from series to series. Um, I just, you know, based on what I was seeing from the offense, um, I just wasn't convinced and the nationals are a good team. And I think we can't lose sight of that because um, you're talking about, I mean, if you look at that lineup, um, that's a very stacked lineup. Mm -hmm. They've got some really, really good hitters on that team. And don't forget that, you know, we didn't even see Max Scherzer or Patrick Corbin uh, this entire series. And we still lost two of three, Um, you know, and, and of course the one game that you don't think you're going to win, you end up winning by, uh, you know, plus 10. And so it, it's, again, I said it earlier, it's an anomaly in this case because the Cardinals have generally played very close games, but they're still losing those close games and these, you know, these larger games too, um, by a lot of runs sometimes. And the fact of the matter is, is what you're sitting at 500 um, through the first 12 games that you've played, right? Mm-hmm. That could be a lot worse, but it should be better. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think we are kind of hanging our heads right now is that you know that this team is capable of more than what they're showing you. And a part of me, um, and I hate saying this because I'm not a huge believer in this, but a part of me thinks it's the early jitters or it's the early going of the season. They're just not. I want to say fully invested, but they're just not clicking um, at the right tune right now. Well, I mean, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it's not, I mean, here's the thing. You've got your two and three hole hitter that are your three hole hitter in hell. Yadier Molina, they're, they're hitting great. You know, they're doing good. They're doing their part. It's just those gaps are not being bridged and, you know, we're getting some uh, something out of the leadoff hitter that we haven't seen in years. And the fact mm-hmm. is, is he is a switch hitter, which provides, you know, a lot for your first guy up. He's got speed. Um, he's hitting the ball good. Um, but the thing is, is the for, for whatever reason, Mike Schilt is not bridging that gap. And it seems like, you know, and this isn't, you know, if he, if he's going to start hitting awesome, you know, great for Paul DeYoung if he starts hitting, but it's 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 a Debbie Downer, man. It, it truly is. Whenever you know, like last night, what happened last night? I think it was last night. The bases were loaded, and he hit into a double play to in the inning. Yep. I mean, if you if you have that in the middle of the lineup that just stops a rally or anything of that nature, I mean, Paul DeYoung doesn't have speed. Yeah, he's got the occasional pop, but but why from game one to game two did he get bumped because of one hit? And I'm not sure. So I'm not sure it's so much the one hit versus the matchups that Mike Schultz is trying to do or create. And that's overmanaging. And, and I'm glad that we're going to get into this topic of overmanaging because I'm sure you are very fired up 
still about game uh, one. Um, so let, let's go ahead and transition into what transpired in game one. And I asked you a question today um, leading into this, so I knew where your mindset was. And that, that question was, if you thought that the bunt play in game one, the bottom of the fifth inning, lost the Cardinals that game that night. You said yes, right? Mm-hmm. And I am going to take the other side of this. And I think by the time we get through this, I think you'll agree somewhat with me. But let's let's start at the bunt play in general. Okay. Um, because I think you and I are going to disagree with this, obviously. But from your perspective, why was the bunt play the wrong call by Mike Shilton there? Well, in my eyes, and this is strictly my eyes, you have you have your 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 starting pitcher who is predominantly in the major leagues been a relief guy with spot starts. Um, I'm not saying that um, I'm not saying that you know he can't go long. Um, the game is tied at that present time. The game is absolutely pr- tied at that present time. Runs have been of a premium. You have two on, one out. You are getting ready to go into the sixth inning. Um, Gantz, you know, his pitch count was what, 60, 70 maybe at the time? And 72 going into the sixth inning. Okay, 72 going into the sixth. So you were looking at a guy where his pitch count is decent at the time, but you are sitting in a position to where you could bring up a pinch hitter and you could potentially get some runs in at the present time. Mike Schilt opts to go for the bunt in which you move the runners over with two outs. You have your pitcher going into the sixth inning, and I understand the bullpen is is, is of question, and I get that. Um, but with runs not being ideal, um, I don't think that was the right decision. And then, you know, I, I I expressed my feelings on that, and I I can't tell you how many people disagreed with me, wanted to say, oh no, that's not smart because you know we need to go long with him. Um, and I get that. I fully understand that. But I knew what was going to take place. We had guys on which hadn't been happening. And, you know, you could send Nagowski, anybody, send somebody up there to try to get something going with one out and two on. But Mike Schilt wanted to go the route of bunting the guys over. And that's not even saying that the bunt was, you know, what if it went, went wrong and they didn't get over, you know, and then we bounce into the sixth inning and, you know, he doesn't even get an out. You know, you have to understand that with a guy that's been predominantly in the relief position that has done spot starts and has essentially been thrown into the rotation with control issues, going deep into a game like that, that you may run into some issues. Now, if it would have played out, you know, tip my cap and said, hey, you know, I was wrong. It's not the first time. It won't be the last time. But when we are not scoring runs and you have the opportunity finally with men on, and you decide to bunt them over, it's just, it just looks like bad managing and it's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I think your, your best point of your, of your, your view on the take is, is look, you've got one out already first and second. Why, why 
instead of giving it out again to move them to second and third, why would you give that out there? I think that's probably the most confusing part for people is um, what, what sense would it make for a manager to say, you know what, I don't want to burn a hitter here. Instead, I'll opt to bunt and force the next person to get a hit or put the ball in play, right? Because that's essentially what's happening. The problem is, is that, you know, all of this is retrospective to the outcome, right? Correct. No matter yeah. what happens, what, let's say he gets the bunt down the Cardinals and, you know, the next batter who's Tommy Edmond comes up, scores those two runs. You know, you're not even thinking twice about it because it, 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 you know, it was a positive outcome, but this, then this result, it was, it was negative. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me try and break it down in my eyes, why this, why Schilt chose to do that and why I don't call it the wrong call up until what happens in the sixth inning. Um, So really let's start with the decision not to pinch hit. Um, because it ultimately drives the decision to bunt, right? I think in Schilt's head, he is playing a numbers game. You know, Gant had only, you know, Gant was had thrown five innings of one run ball, a um, few strikeouts to go with it. So it's not that bad, right? I mean, if you look at the stat line for Gant prior to the sixth inning, he actually was pitching pretty well. I mean, it was a complete role reversal from his first start. So I think in Schilt's head, he's thinking, you know what? He's looking good. I think he's good. He's pitching well enough to get this win. And at the worst, and in, in that moment, he's saying, you know, if I bump with him, worst case scenario is, is this game is still tied 1-1 and Gant has been good enough to keep that their offense at bay too. That, and I'll get more to, and I'll go more on in detail in that when we get to why I think this game is lost um, because it still has to do with Schilt. But if he, um, you know, his biggest issue then at that point um, you're thinking, okay, 38.1 innings prior to the, prior to this game, right? 38.1 innings from your starters versus 40.2 from the bullpen. And this is something that you alluded to in your, in your discussion that's not sustainable. It's not. And I think part of Schilt was thinking, if I can squeeze three more outs, three more outs from my, uh, from John Gant and set my bullpen up for the seventh, eighth and ninth inning, like we have been discussing in our previous episodes with Guy Diego's Hicks and Reyes, that those three are very hard to beat in general. Um, but if he can get to that point, your odds of holding the nationals at bay, very good, I think. So I think this, this numbers game messed with Schilt's head. And he said, you know what? I'm going to, I'm not going to burn a player here and I'm going to bunt. And I don't think he may, and Schilt said, I don't think it made much sense for him to burn a Nagowski here. You're not going to bring in Mundo Sosa in at that point either. Um, who else would you bring in at that point? I guess uh, I was Austin. I don't think Austin Dean was in the starting lineup that day. So I, it's just one of those things where was burning a hitter in case it went to extra innings worth it for Mike Schilt? And he says, no, I, and I don't have a problem with it because 
what he ends up doing then is putting a bunt down, which was a very good bunt, and moving them to second and third. Now, Brendan Schaefer has the had that article where, you know, at the moment where that happens, the expected run probability for the Cardinals went from, you know, 0.9 expected runs to like 0.3. And that makes a lot of sense. Obviously, with two outs, you're not you're not expected to score a lot of runs. However, I think the bunt is okay because of who comes after Gant. And you said this yourself, right? Tommy Edmond has been every bit of the player that you expected him to be, and probably more. And he's probably been our best hitter for the last week at this point, outside of Nolan Arenado and Yadier Molina. Because Paul Goldschmidt's average went from like 400 to, you know, 234 by the end of today. Mm -hmm. So if Tommy Edmond, the contact hitter, is coming up after John Gant, that's actually not a bad idea then. Because at least you know you have somebody that's going to put it in play. Because what happens if there's a pass ball? The guy from third probably scores. But what happens if Tommy Edmond hits it and they boot the ball and an error happens? These expected wins or these expected probabilities don't account for human error. So you have to, you're, he's essentially taking a gamble and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the gamble that is Tommy Edmond behind John Gant. And he hit the ball hard. But it was just right at the second baseman. And then, you know, we get into this whole, well, that's just bad luck thing. And I know you don't want to go down that route. So in my head, it was a high risk, high reward situation. But I don't ultimately blame that portion or that bunt. The reason why they lose this game. All in all, no. Yeah. And I, and I think the way I present my cases makes you think about a little differently, probably, but I would tell you this in a normal philosophy game. If you're, if you're looking at it, you know, logically, Mike Schultz should have absolutely pinch hit for him. There's no doubt in my mind. And I know I was wrong, but that wasn't the point of this, right? The point is to have the conversation and say, okay, well, what makes the most sense outside of, of the pinch hit. The problem where Mike Schilt ran into is not having somebody ready to go at the start of the sixth inning, regardless of whether he was pinch hitting for Gantt or not. Somebody should have been ready to go. And that's where they lose this game because it's not the bunt and, you know, not scoring a run because again, at worst, it's still one-to-one. And what happens if the pinch hitter does the same thing, grounds into a double play? You wasted a player at that point. It's still Mm one-to-one. So I think the case isn't so much the bunt it's that Schilt did not manage the sixth correctly. He says essentially, okay, now that Gant turn, now that Gant's turn is through the order, I'm going to send him out there against the three, four and five hitters. And two of them are left-handed and only one of them is right-handed. Why Schilt does not have a left-hander ready to go to face Juan Soto or eventually Kyle Schwarber is beyond me. Yeah. And, and, and I told this to somebody, I said, you should have had Jordan Hicks ready to go at that moment because that is the best bullet you have to slowing that three, four, five up. I don't care that it's the sixth inning. I don't care. 
You already have Alex Reyes and Giovanni Gallegos later on in the game. You can put them in eighth and ninth. But if you need to stop that offense and hold it to one to one because of your inability to push those two runs across the previous half inning, then you need to take that chance. And so so be it that you didn't pitch in, but you got to do that. Now, the other portion is, is if let's say you don't have somebody ready, then you need to go back and say, okay, let me see if I can get Juan Soto out. And he almost did. He got jammed on a pitch on the inside, but he's just too good. And he still got a single out of it. Well, guess what? Mike Schilt should have been at the steps of those of the damn dugouts, walking his butt out there and pulling Gant right then and there too. And that is the reason why that game was lost. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I take a step back, I mean, saying if that's the reason that they lost, um, you know, all in all, no, I mean, the Cardinals weren't hitting, they weren't, well, they weren't getting runs. Um, I guess, the good way to word it in that way would be, you know, I think that I guess all in all, it was just a dumb decision in my eyes to do that when runs were at a premium, knowing that, you know, he was going to face the heart of the order again. And, you know, it just, it just didn't seem right. And I just, I could, I could see, I could see the, the, the train coming to a complete halt right then and there. I just didn't feel it was smart. You know, I'd rather have my chances at anybody else um, taking a swing rather than Gant bunting them over when, when you know, runs weren't there, you know. And, um, you know, you, you're right. It wasn't lost because of that. I mean, the Cardinals couldn't get runs across. But I just think trying to push him again, you know, was just, was just stupid. And yeah. it's, it's not – it's not good managing. It's just not. Let, let's it is, let's call the spade the spade, right? It's not good managing. And he owned up. He owned up to it. He said he was it was not good managing in the fifth and sixth. More so the sixth than the fifth, in my opinion. I know there are others out there that say that would say differently, but it is what it is. It was bad managing, and it was very Matheny-esque, in my opinion. Oh, absolutely. Very Matheny-esque. I mean, it, it. I mean, it's in the past, but you can't. And, and I get it. I get it. The the bullpen has pitched more. I fully understand that. You know, um, but just like last night, you know, you you don't know what's going to happen in a game the next day, which is hard. It, it's tough to be a manager at times. Mm-hmm. But then you know, you go into that next game where you know you could have used. You know, they threw Pons last night. You know, and I thought that was. You know, luckily they had a. 12 run lead or whatever 13 run lead at the time but um i mean it's just it kind it's just it just kind of blows my mind you know if you're are you trying to win games are you are you absolutely going out there thinking that you're going to win the game because this team is just it, it looks lost right now and i think i think it, it's i i'm not going to test a goldschmidt being in the two hole for the reason that he's you know kind of lingering where he's at but you know why not push them back? Why don't you give Carlson the shot up at the two hole again? Um, there's just a lot of question marks that I have. And yeah, yeah. And I think the biggest question mark that I think you have going on for you right now is you said this, um, you know, after the game two lineup was released. Um, and I'm assuming this had more to do with Paul DeYoung being where he was in the lineup um, than the overall lineup of what it looked like but you were ready to fire Mike Schilt 
Well, I, I mean, I said, I said, I don't want to over exaggerate. All bluster, then. <laughs> well, I mean, just because they put up fourteen runs does not mean that that that's a that's a sake or a. Well, it doesn't uh, absolve you from whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's not a foolproof lineup is the problem, you know. I mean, yeah, the, the, they got lucky. Let's put it what it is. They got lucky. They ran into it that night. Yeah. I mean, but all in all, that that is not going to produce something every night. That's not gonna. That's not gonna make wins happen, and yeah. I think it is absolutely ridiculous after getting a hit in game one of the series to automatically move a guy that's not even hitting a buck fifty back up to the four hole. Yeah, and prisoner of the moment, right? I think that's probably what it come down comes down to is you, you think okay, you know, he gets a hit and there's showing some signs of life, but I, I got to tell you um, when he, that double play that you, that you just, that you talked about, I don't think I've seen anybody look so dejected running down first base than he did when he hit that double play. Like when he, when the, when he turned around from being called out at first, like you could just see it in his face, like, damn, like, why can't I get a hit? And if that's the case, if you can sense that in a player, like if you're a good manager, you should be able to sense that in a player and say, you know what? I need you to, I need a day off maybe two from you because right now your, your mentality, your mental part of the game is not there. And we talked about this with Matt Carpenter um, in one of our earlier episodes that confidence in hitting is very, very contagious. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and for somebody like Carpenter, if he is not exuding confidence, nobody's going to be looking up to him. And, and, and the same thing with the young here. If you're not hitting with confidence, you're going to struggle. I mean, it's the same reason why he didn't hit a 93-mile-an-hour fastball right down the middle a couple games ago. He has lost the confidence to hit. And the problem is, is that because this is a results-oriented game, that negativity will not go away until you all of a sudden catch fire. And I hope it does happen, but that's very hard to do when there are really good pitchers out there. When you have a really good division at this point that you know is going to be very competitive outside of two teams. Yeah, but I mean, one of my biggest things is I know the guy needs to catch fire. I, I, I know he does. I know he needs to get where he needs to go. But why put him right back up there, you know? Yeah, I don't get that either. I, I think that's, again, prisoner of the moment for Mike Schultz. I think and, that's and really I, what it came down to. I tried to process in my head. I thought to myself, well, Mike Schultz probably thinking, oh, he got a hit. He's getting ready to get going. You know, I thought that. But, I mean, at the same time. Yeah, I, there is. I don't think there's really any way of, of defending that outside of, you know, if there was a matchup that he truly liked then maybe that's the case or he's trying to split, you know, trying to balance out his lineup some way. Uh, but I, I agree that there's no reason for it. And I think this, this series exposed, you know, just still that growth that needs to be done by Mike Schilt as a manager um, and that he's still learning this game. But I got to tell you, you know, to your point, and I know that this is just, it was somewhat bluster, but there's no reason not to think to yourself, well, what if Mike Schilt isn't truly the guy? 
I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying fire him tomorrow or fire him in two weeks or whatever. I'm just thinking to myself, what would an experienced manager do at this moment? Because if he's an experienced manager, changes would be coming. And that's something that needs to be taken seriously. Well, one of the things I hated about Mike Matheny is I felt like he moved around the lineup every night. I felt like all the time, you know, you'd have one guy in one spot and then it would, it, it would, it would just change all the time. I felt like the majority of Tony LaRusso's lineups. Yeah. There's a guy moved here or there, but I felt like the core was the core, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it seemed like it was always the same th- people night in and night out, which I get that if, if things are working, you want to do that. But the thing that just, I'm going to take a, a, a quote out of family guy here and I'm going to say it. One thing that absolutely grinds my gears. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Is the fact that you have nobody in front of Carlson outside of Yachty or Molina that's bridging a gap. You literally have your first inning guys, your Arenados, your Goldschmidt's, your Edmonds. Then you have like uh, this carousel at a mall that is just slowly moving with 16 depressed children on it. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Carlson and you're like, okay, you know, and, and they were talking about him adjusting a swing, you know, but he's got a good eye. He's got a really good eye. You know, um, the bat location hasn't been there. You know, I've noticed a miss on some fastballs, but like last night, you know, he had three hits and I'm not going to attest that to Carlson locking himself in. I'm not that much of a Homer because everybody and their brother got a hit last night, but, you know, it's to me building a lineup. You go from those top three guys to a dead car battery, and then it's oh, here's our young star that we're throwing out there every night to have nobody on in front of him, and he sure as shit doesn't have any protection behind him. And if you've got Goldschmidt with, you know, and, and hell, maybe it could be a back issue lingering um, still with Goldie. I don't know. I mean, he hit a home run last night but uh or in game two but you know why don't you try carlson back at two to push the lineup back you know then you have then you have yadi in the five hole and then you can go down to your question marks i don't think until he's hitting the ball that you need to put the likes of carpenter or de young above six Uh, there's just in my eyes it, it it like I've referenced, it's a dead battery. It's not going to do you anything, and it's damn sure not going to make your lineup do anything different. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, it, I think we've been kind of beating this whole, you know. I know, it. I know, and I try not to be so negative about it, but I mean, what's it going to take for you to for somebody to to adjust the lineup accordingly? I, I, th- and I think, <laughs> I. And I, we actually, you know, that was the kind of the question that we had in one of the podcasts earlier last week was, you know, how long is, is too long to, to make a move. Right. And I think that's the question that is, is laying before Mike Schilt right now, when is enough enough to say, you know what, I've got to do something different consistently and, and just play that out because right now, you know, outside of that 14 run game, the Cardinals have only scored, uh, you know, they didn't score anything today, right? Um, two runs, uh, three runs, five. 
didn't play on Friday last week. Thursday, they scored three. So you're averaging right around four game, four runs a game, maybe a little less than that. You know, that typically doesn't win you a lot of ball games. And I think um, for a team, for a front office that went out and got Arenado, I think they were expecting more. Well, I mean, and, and what's he thinking? You know, I think he loves the city of St. Louis. I think he loves playing in front of these fans. But at the same time, I mean, it, it's... You're here to win. You're here to win. That's that's what it comes down to. I, I just feel like Goldschmidt and Arnado have the whole team on their back, and they're hoping somebody else catches fire. Yeah, and I think it's nice when you have somebody like Yadier Molina um, hitting the way he is right now. But let's be real. You know, he's not going to hit 340 all year long. That's, that's not – I would love that, but that's not his MO, right? He'll he'll drop down probably to the 270, 280-ish area, which is still a, a really good hitter in today's standards. Um, but, you know, he's, th- he's also 38, and he's not going to be able – he's not going to keep up with them forever. So, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a very big reflection moment, I think, for the team. Um, and they have a good opportunity to go um, and beat up on a Philadelphia Phillies team that really has not been hitting that well. Um, and, you know, they, they, uh, they sometimes, you know, their lineup is kind of reminds me of the Nationals lineup in a way where they've got some really big names in there. I mean, think about it, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, um, you've got McCutcheon who's, you know, from yesteryear, but JT Realmuto, Didi Gregorius. I mean, those are not, those are not below par hitters. You know, they're very good hitters. They're just not, you know, they're kind of in the same realm as the Cardinals where they're kind of underachieving right now. So, you know, if you're, if you're the team, if you're Mike Schilt, you got to find a way to pep these guys up and, and, and try and find a way to, to get back on the, on the horse and win two of these next three. Yeah. And I feel like, unfortunately, you know, every team that has come into St. Louis has either are they're barely hitting or they haven't won many games. And it just feels kind of like we're the, uh, the, the, uh, the beat up doll, if you will. Um, if somebody needs to acquire some wins and um, hopefully though, you know um, we've got KK coming back in the Philly series so yep. hopefully, you know, we can get more ground. And honest to God, man, um, John Gant didn't look terrible um, coming out. I just felt at that present time, and I hate going back to it. I just hate. I just felt at that present time that that his night was was needed to be up. I felt like going through it again and getting too deep, and I, I just it just felt wrong. But I mean, he didn't look terrible. You know, I I, I liked what we saw to begin with. Um, but he. He got himself into trouble, but then he would get himself out. And that's, you know, if you're looking at it from a pitching point of view, um, you'll take that because he's correcting his own mistakes. The problem is, is you would just rather him not walk anybody um, because that's when you get into trouble. And that's exactly how it played out in that sixth inning. He gives up, he gives up a hit to Juan Soto, which again, I, as I said, he had him in a 3-2 count and threw a fastball up and in on the hands, and Juan Soto muscled it out there. I mean, he hit it decently hard, but he muscled that out. It was not, you know, a typical Juan Soto hit. 
where he just, it looks like he just crushes everything. Mm -hmm. But then he walks the next batter. And that, again, like I said earlier, after Juan Soto, he should have been pulled, but he walked that next guy. And that's where, again, this, that's where the wagon starts to come apart because if you are expecting them to just lay pat and not hit your ball at that point, good luck because that's not how these hitters are attuned to. Um, that's just where he got into trouble. You know, again, it's, let's say Mike Schilt pulls Gant there and brings in Genesis Cabrera um, to face the right-hander and the left-hander or even Jordan Hicks, I would take my chances with that because you might get a, a double play ball at that point in the game and you might save that game. But it was too late at that point. He had already made his choices and, um, it, you know, it is what it is. But Gant, Gant did pitch very well for what we saw in between, you know, from his first start to this start. So I, I, you know, my, I'll, I'll give him a, a cap tip there. Yeah, no. And I mean, the, the thing is, is Juan Soto is one of the premier hitters in the, in the sport today. Um, you knew that was going to be tough coming in. And yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Gant threw good. I, like I said, I just felt like his night was over. Um, but I think, I mean, I think we've run into that a lot where, I mean, I've noticed it and it may just pop up whenever I want to be negative, but you know, I, I feel like at times like Mike Schilt is not getting guys warmed up in time. You know, I just think it's like a kind of an afterthought, but you know, in that situation, you know, you got to hurry up and get somebody ready. And then, you know, if somebody's not fully ready and it just, it's, it's a bad mixture. Okay. So, so I'm going to stop you there because I don't want to keep, beating this negative horse down because mm-hmm. i think you and i both agree that when we also talk the positives of this of at least the series or at least what we saw from yeah. the cardinals it makes it a little bit more uh, palatable when mm-hmm. we're listening to it so give me two good things that came out of the national series for you jack flaherty um still trending upward in my eyes um you know um he keeps, like I said, after his first start, you know, he keeps doing what he's doing. Um, I felt like last uh, last night, whenever he was pitching, I felt like he was attacking the strike zone a little bit more. Um, and I mean, the other positive I would take out of it, I would I would throw it at a one two punch. Would be, you know, Yachty and Arenado keep hitting, and of course, Edmund, you know. Um, I think those guys, you know, are, are, are really knocking it right now. Um, but yeah, Flair, Flaherty's outing was, you know, he's still going up and I think we're just going to keep seeing him getting, getting better and better as the uh, summer goes on. Um, but I mean, I think that's probably what I would take out of the series. Yeah. Um, I would agree with you 1000% on Jack Flaherty. Um, he looked a lot better, looked in con- more in control of the game than he has in a little bit. I was very pleased with his performance. And, you know, granted, when you're given a, a decent lead, it's hard to, to mess that up. But then again, the lead didn't come until towards the end of his start. So for him to keep it where, keep that game where it was, um, it, it was very good pitching on his part and it, it was nice to see him. Uh, it was nice to see him uh, 
uh, deliver on that. If I had to give a second positive uh, kudos out, um, I'm just going to leave it up to um, Yadier Molina and Yadi alone. Um, and I'm, I want to acknowledge this because I think it's important. Um, 2,000 games as a catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. The only player in MLB history, the only player in MLB history to catch 2,000 games for one team. Um, I was listening to the game earlier today in Spanish and uh, Benji, I'm sorry, yeah, Benji and, uh, and Polo, since you were talking, and I, I found this stat to be absolutely incredible. Um, between the three Molina brothers, they have caught over 4,000 games. Over 4,000 games. That is insane to me. And to even make it even crazier is, you know, Yachty is responsible for 2,000 of them. And that just goes to show you, the, you know, the dedication that family has towards catching, but just how good those Molina brothers truly were at their craft. Um, and Yachty continues just to show why he's still uh, one of the top catchers in the game. I know um, every year it feels like they everybody wants to put him lower and lower on the, you know, fantasy rankings or just player rankings in general. But I mean, you can't deny what he's doing right now. Isn't great. I mean, that, what was that 430 foot one home run um, against Strasburg? I mean, that thing was a rocket and, you know, there, there are only so many hitters that'll hit, you know, 95, 96 um, the opposite way um, into the deepest part of the opposite way. Uh, and that's, you know, these kinds of players just don't come around that often. And I, I just hope when this is all said and done for Yachty, again, people truly appreciate what he has done for the Cardinals and what he's done for the game of baseball. Uh, because I know that there's a generation of Cardinal fans, you and I are probably included in this, that uh, will look back on these days where Yachty was a catcher and you would give anything to have him back in there. Yeah, and I think as Cardinal fans and ourselves, um, that transition from Matheny to Molina wasn't bad because no. a lot of people don't know or don't realize how good of a catcher Matheny was. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's kind of wild to think that. Um, so I know you brought up the 4,000 games from those two. Mm. Um, the three. Three, the sorry, three, three sorry. Wasn't counting right. Um, so from those three, um, so here, 4,000 games is a ton. But here's your stat I just dug up, um, and I didn't add it all the way. But we are looking at catching alone the Molina trio over 33,000 innings a catcher. <laughs> <laughs> Can wow. you imagine? No, my knees hurt. Oh, oh, mine are. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I haven't caught a game in my life, and my knees hurt for them. Yeah, no. Again, I, 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 you know, I just said it. It goes to. It just speaks to the craft, right? Mm -hmm. Um, they're just that. That family is very a very baseball heavy family, obviously, but um, that they're just a very talented, talented group of brothers, and again. Um, you just have to appreciate what they do for the game. And, and I found it very interesting 
Um, and I know you probably were very amused by the responses. I think you, you had tweeted something about it, but when MLB, um, MLB's Twitter feed posted that picture of Yachty saying, is he a hall of famer? Um, you know, when I go scroll through and see the nose and the nose and he's not a good offensive catcher, yada, yada, yada. Well, I can tell you how many offensive catchers are in the hall of fame, but they didn't do shit defensively. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear, I'm tired of hearing all this, you know, it's only offense that really, you know, does anything for you. If you can't be smart enough to look at the intangibles that Yadier Molina brings to the table and, uh, and just the overall defensive play. I mean, this guy is, you know, third in all time gold gloves as a catcher. I'd like to see where those offensive people rank in the gold gloves, like Joe Maurer, who's supposed to be, you know, one of the best offensive catchers we've ever seen. And granted, he was very good, but he doesn't have that many gold gloves. I know that. Well, look at Buster Posey. Oh, that too. I mean, and, and I think his his career is anchored by the World Series wins, oh, but Molina only has one less than him, so I don't want to hear that either. Yeah, yeah. Hats off to Yachty for two thousand games with the St. Louis Cardinals. That's excellent. Um, okay, so let's let's jump into something that real quick before we um, shut the ship down for the night. That I think that we both. Well, you sent it to me. You sent it to me earlier today. <laughs> oh, I can't wait for this. But I think that, I mean, I you know, I love a good hot take. But the fact of the matter is, is that our defense in the outfield is so atrocious that people are signaling that, oh, we can't wait for Bader to get back. No, 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 no. Are we, are we getting that desperate as fans to where we are, allowing people to decide that we are now excited for Bader to come back because the lack of defense in the, I'm, I'm going to, you know, or what are we, what are we waiting on? I I don't, I I don't know. I mean, I want to read this quote verbatim because I think it's important (laughs) to, to frame it the way that this person says it right you guys changing your mind on Harrison Bader yet? Give me a break, dude. I mean, come on. Let's be real. This is the same concept that we were talking about this bunt, right? Because of the negative outcome, all of a sudden it's let me toot this horn. Mm -hmm. But I don't see you tooting that horn when everything was going great. Right? When Dylan Carlson's hitting those home runs and playing stellar defense in center field, I didn't see that. I didn't see you saying, oh, yeah, I can't wait for Harrison Bader to come back. Yeah, well, no. So it's so so very convenient that when Lane Thomas, and arguably he has not looked good, um, when Lane Thomas doesn't have a great game, it's all of a sudden, bet you can't wait for Harrison Bader to come back. Well. couldn't be me, that's for sure. Well, no, no. I mean, and if, if if we're at a point in time where we are just so excited to see Harrison Bader, then something's obviously going wrong. And, you know, I just – I mean, what are we setting ourselves up for? Like, oh, look, we go from bad to just above bad now. I mean, okay, cool. He can catch a little bit more than, than Lane Thomas can. But, I mean, good grief. 
I, I think it's, you know, that again, I, and I sent this to you saying this dude is aimed right at you. Because <laughs> um, I, I think we both understand that Harrison Bader is not the greatest uh, offensive threat that the Cardinals possess. But I think we both can agree that, yes, he brings value defensively. But yeah, again, cool. Like, so, so we're, so we're waiting for a guy to get off the injured list so he can catch a freaking ball. And I, and I think that's where this, the, these, you know, these homers for Bader are, are losing, you know, losing their credibility because as, as we say with Molina, right. It's not just his defensive ability that will take him to the hall of fame. He must be an offensive player too. It can't just be one or the other because if Molina was just a defensive player, yeah, there's no way he makes it into the, into the hall of fame, Mm -hmm. but he's improved his craft. What has Harrison Bader done to improve his craft? Um, Strike out more because that's not, that's not really going to cut it. He's practiced in the off season, allegedly more. Well, I mean, I would hope so considering he wasn't doing much to begin with. Yeah. So the point point being is, is if you're going to toot this Harrison Bader horn, you better be ready to take that, uh, take that same dish whenever it comes crashing down on you. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm ready for somebody to catch the ball. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you know, it, it comes it it comes with with uh, with some negativity towards it too, because it's just you know, and then there's people and there's people replying to that shit with, yeah, I'm just so excited. Well, I mean, I get it, I, I get it. But if if you're dumbing yourself down to the point where you, you're excited for Harrison Bader to come back, I, I mean, good lord it's really time to log off at that point in time. Cause I understand Lane Thomas has been atrocious in the outfield, but these are the people that are, are, are apologists to everything else going on. You know, I there, there was a guy yesterday, just yesterday that I saw. We need to put Matt Carpenter in the lineup every day because he's a 30 home run hitter, <laughs> bro. What the freak? That's my, I was keeping this one a G rated. Yeah, um, thank you. Um, you know, he's hitting the ball super hard. He's a 30 home run guy. And I was like, is this a joke? Like, like, I, <laughs> like, I don't know where people come up with the shit they come up with, but you know, just because he's hit the ball hard does not mean that he's all of a sudden this guy that we saw three years ago when he could catch up to a fastball. Well, if it was one, one one or one twentieth of an inch higher or something like that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just that's. I, I guess that's what it's coming down to. The minutia of these details are just are, are so great or so bad for some players, and it's it's making you know people are having false sense of security well, you know uh, you just have to start turning around well if lane thomas would have jumped if lane thomas would have you know maybe stutter stepped he would have caught that ball and it wouldn't have gone off the heel if lane thomas started earlier he would have caught it i mean it's just it's just ridiculous man it, yeah. it truly is and i I, I can't help anybody with that I, i'm just focusing on you know where that they're gonna let me make the lineup you know i i will be the voluntary um the i don't know the cardinals kid run the base day lineup kid guy man i, like that. I don't know i don't know I'm, i'll dress like mike, mike schilt 
I'll put my sunglasses on my my loop of my uniform pants, and I will, you know, I'll do it. Mike Shields better looking. Oh, shut the hell up! <laughs> Don't even give me that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're just we're really getting down to some business. I, I'm sorry, but you know. <laughs> So I think I think again I think if if anybody's going to take anything away from this podcast after we've after they're done listening to us ramble it's something has to be done and again the question is how long is Mike Schilt willing to wait until something gets done well somebody brought up one time that you know they pushed out the same lineup till late in the season one year and it just wasn't working yeah but I mean we we can't help that you know um we're not the managers for a reason, I guess. No, I'm not, he, he, you're right. I mean, I guess we didn't. I don't know. I, I don't know. All right, let's let's close this out. Last last uh, last thought on your head, and I'll give mine, and then we're out. Um, well, this is not this is not our podcast unless we do it like this. And I'll run through it real quick. Um, you know, so we got the the Philadelphia Philly series coming up. We are in Philly for this one. Sure. Um, it looks like game one. We've got. Carlos Martinez with facing Matt Moore, um, probably the same Matt Moore. That's 73. Um, he just got his AARP card and um, he should be retiring any day. Um, and then in game two, it looks like we have our beloved KK back in the rotation facing um, to be determined a, the photo is a bucket of balls, major league balls. And then in game three, the Cardinals I don't think be able to get any offense off of them either. No, so. no, 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 no. It's just like the player to be named later. We don't know, but he's usually good. Yeah. Consideration. We make it very good. Then in game three, uh, we've got uh, John Gant facing Aaron Nola. That should be interesting. And you know what? John Gant's got a lower ERA than Aaron Nola, both 0 and 1, but one is leaning heavy on the strikeouts and one is not. I will not go into that, but um, that's what we got looking forward to the to end off this week. Um, but anyways, what what is, what's your one final thought before we do shut this down for the night? Um, I'll go back to what I've been saying from the beginning of this season: productive outs. You saw it. You saw it come to fruition this in this series. You've seen it come to fruition across multiple series of the Cardinals. When you play productively and you give productive outs, good things happen. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I think we've seen that come to fruition a lot. Um, the one productive out that I tarnished for game one. Mm-hmm. Um, that first month? The first month. Yeah, well, so, this, so what I mean by that is, you know, the only reason why that game is tied one-to-one going into the whole fiasco in the fifth and sixth inning mm-hmm. is because somebody sacrifices Matt Carpenter to second and then Tommy Edmond gets a hit yeah. that person being John Gant. Yeah. I mean, um, you know what? And so somebody, somebody said, well, bunts are still not that good. And I said, okay, fine. Well then that means you're still losing one to zero. How do you want it? How would you like yeah, that? No, and I get it, but Tito at the same time, you know, gambling is a thing in the sport. Yeah, and I, think I do it all. The, I do it every day, and I, I know still- you. I know you do. <laughs> and and it, you know what? My show gambled way too hard that day. Uh, that's probably fair. You can only do it once. Um, so mine, 
what am I supposed to be answering again? Your final thought, shout out Emo's Pizza. My final thought is not shout out Emo's Pizza, unless you're trying to sponsor this podcast. Um, <laughs> but, um, man, I, I will tell you, um, it's not even about what's going on on the field, man. And I know you kind of ended it last time. Um, you know, Zach Silver and Katie Wu are doing an outstanding job in their new roles um, with the Cardinals. Um, they're entertaining. They're fun. Um, you know, and I have no complaints there. Um, you know, and she, shit, she's already, she's already reading the Cardinal fans already. She, she dropped something about a lineup and she says, Hey, step back. But I mean, Zach, yeah. Zach too, man, he's, I don't even follow him, but I see his stuff pop up and, and he's throwing some good content out, but uh, man, you know, shout out to those guys, you know, coming on to a, a new team, new role, a uh, new position and really taking it head on and uh, taking control. Other than that, man, I think, you know, I think hopefully we can get this, we can get this train rolling sooner or later. I'm not going to make any predictions because that keeps faltering for us. Um, you know, we got a weekend series in Philadelphia. Shout out to um, Philly cheesesteak, I guess. Maybe um, whatever the hell else they got up there. Um, the Liberty, Liberty Bell. Bell. Shout out to <laughs> Liberty Bell. Um, I'm hoping it's ringing by the time that the, the, that the Cardinals leave, I guess. Hashtag free KK. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag let's win or something. Yeah. Okay, well, listen, it's getting late. We need to shut this down. Um, if you guys want to follow along on this journey of life with Tito and I, um, you can download the Turn Into podcast at um, or on iTunes, um, Spotify, and Google Podcast. Um, we're trying to pump these out every week, so keep listening. If you got questions, holler at us. Um, yeah, and um, everybody else that is just listening because you want to, that's fine. But uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks. And um, go Cardinals.